I have to use my eyes as my ears. Hearing people don't understand that that is where the people strength lies in them. Because my abusers were mostly women and I was pretty much raised by women. A deaf man has taught me to listen better and I'm very grateful for it, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Secrets Worth Sharing, a series all about having better, more approachable conversations about child sexual abuse. This episode is specifically about deafness and CPTSD, and for that, I am joined by Sabian. Hi, I'm Sabian. I'm a deaf entrepreneur. I'm a founder of Deaf Hands. Um, we work on creating artificial intelligence and augmented reality to help advance deaf communities in the future. As a hearing person, the two of us have very different experiences of child sexual abuse, and this episode will run with us comparing and contrasting in a lot of those ways. So it's going to be a little bit different to our usual episodes, but we hope you enjoy. I first got my hearing age at 11 mm. years old. Um, up until that time, I was known as what's called hard of hearing. Um, in the black community, that means you're stubborn, not deaf. So um, I get a lot of difficulties coming up, adjusting to my deafness and just hard of hearing. When I turned 11, my mum took me to the hospital and she finally accepted that I needed to get a hearing aid and you know, stuff. But up until that time, there were so many different experiments that you know, I made. have like candles wax put in my ears, you know, they put a Chinese candle wax yeah. and try and pop your ears and be like, maybe there's crayon stuck in his ears or something like that. I had to literally fully accept that I was deaf, but it was hard to accept that because the, it didn't feel like the people around me had accepted my deafness. So for a long time, I wasn't really able to adapt or make that transition from being a boy who wasn't wearing a hearing aid to a boy who was wearing a hearing aid. I wasn't introduced to the deaf community. I didn't learn sign language or anything like that. So I found myself pretty isolated. One of the things you've talked about before is concentration fatigue. And yeah. this I found fascinating. Right, so concentration fatigue is the result of your brain having to focus on something for an extended period of time. If I'm out with a lot of people, I have to use my eyes as my ears. After watch your body language, watch your face and stuff. So you probably notice I'm not looking at you all the time. It's kind of like pick up so much when I'm watching people's faces and all that. But concentration fatigue is basically a result of having to concentrate a lot harder than a hearing person would have to. One thing I'd love to chat with you mm. about is the difference between a hearing person's experience of child mm. sex abuse and a deaf person's experience. Mm. And obviously, we can only talk for ourselves, yeah. but I think it'd be a really interesting comparison. When I've heard a lot of people speak about their sexual abuse, as obviously being a hearing person. Mm. Much of it like, revolve around what they heard and what was said and all that stuff. As someone who's like wondered that like, if I ever went to the police or anything like that, they were like, no, ask what was said, obviously what was done, but then how can I cooperate if I can't hear what was said to me and all that kind of thing. For me, a lot of my abuse was physical stuff. So I was dictated, you know, actions I needed to do to someone in a sense. That was physical ramification for not doing that, if that makes sense. So, that was a lot of frustration because I'm not sure if like, they knew I was deaf because back then I was still seen as hard of hearing, so to speak. So it's kind of like a 
give and take in a way. But for me, it was all I could take from it was what that person did. They were speaking, but I don't remember what they said. I understand? I don't have it because I, I can't recall and I'm trying to believe because I couldn't hear what they were saying. So all I have is the actions of my abuser. And that has always made me feel like if I were to talk about it, I couldn't really prove things. I can't. So I could only say what is done, but I can't say what was said in the moment. So the things that may have been cues as to this is what they were going to do. So it made me focus a lot more on body language. Mm. Seeing the signs of when they were about to try and bring me in and literally avoid them, it became very avoidant as a result of that. I was able to protect myself better, you know, doing that, but you know, it was just different people and different people had different tells and different you know, quirks, different Pattern. So I had literally had to learn every pattern, and some in some ways it's probably one of the reasons why I, I, I hone in on everyone that I speak to. I learn how their lips move when they say certain words. I learn how their face moves when they're talking. I learn their body language and their pattern. And I have that for like dozens of people in my head. I know their patterns and stuff. So, so anything is out of line. I know something's up, and then I question them. Um, the problem is that a lot of people get really annoyed when they're questioning it. Too old So it's like, it's, right, it's, it's, it's a very fine line to play because hearing people don't understand that that is where deaf people's strength lies. And yeah. some, you know, we do pick up on what is not said rather than what is said. And I, I suppose my abuse kind of pushed me towards that in some ways, you know, I want to seek out predators. I want to seek out people who are lying and kind of things, and that then kind of helps me in my own way to kind of navigate the world. Sometimes I feel safest when I know I'm in danger. Mm. If that makes sense. Well, not really, but I know. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Can you say? We've been abused enough times. You know the patterns. You know how to pick out what is dangerous, you pick up a survival instinct, the act of, about, okay, I see you're a predator, but I can beat you, I can outsmart yeah. you. I you can, know what you're getting yeah, into. Yeah. So yeah. it's almost like a way of rewriting your story in some ways that I'm no longer a victim, I'm now in control of my destiny. A lot of my abuse happened in my family mm. and everyone in my family is hearing. There were so many minuscule little signs like mm. if you knew you knew mm. and if you were looking for them maybe you'd have seen mm. even at the park right there was one time where my abuser i saw it in a family video mm. he was taking everyone off a swing and mm. then really subtly i just took myself off the swing and ran mm. off and no one noticed because mm. why would you but when i hear about your experience and mm. just being able to like clock those tiny little body yeah. movements sometimes i think oh i wonder if anyone mm. would have clocked mm. if they weren't a hearing person yeah. you know we all have intuition mm. and we all have that especially as children we know there's certain adults we don't take a liking to you know that stuff we just we just be we, if we don't know we there's something that tells us that i feel in the hearing community is not necessarily taught to tap into that and you're taught to tap into what people say and believe what people say, take their word for it, and it's done. And yeah. that I find hearing people struggle with silence. 
It's been so long distracting themselves with sounds and stuff. You put them in silence and it's like, I don't know what to do. Even at night, I can't do it. I put a podcast on. I can't do it. But why is that? Like, for you, what is your fear in silence? My thoughts. Uh, so you fear yourself? I don't know. I just, I find at night time, yeah, I mm. want to have one thing to focus on. Mm. And if I'm lying in bed and there's no podcast to focus mm. on or something, I'll, I'll just be awake with my thinking. Mm. And that's at the time where I just want to silence. Mm. Yeah. I find the thoughts that go through our mind to be the most important story of who you are. And I feel like people are afraid of their thoughts because they think that their thoughts make them who they are. All those things you just said, like mm. ticking the box, going to uni, yeah. they're all things I did mm. when I was trying to block out the thoughts about my abuse mm. as well. And one of the ways I stopped getting abused mm. was I just used to say, oh, I'm really busy with school. Mm. I can't come and stay over mm. at the family member's home. Mm. And... I then thought, well, I've made this lie, I might as well do the schoolwork. And then it just, it just went yeah. from there. So I spent much of my childhood suppressing my experiences as a child, like my teen, should I say. I didn't think about anything that happened from 11 before I was 11 years old. Mm. Um, I would only think about my life from 16 onwards. So when I had girlfriends, I'd only talk about from 16 onwards. Is that anything before then? You never find out anything about it. Um, I think it's because I didn't know how to process it. I didn't like the feelings that came up around it. Yeah. Because my abusers were mostly women, and I was pretty much raised by women, it's like a difficult to deal with because on one side you know you're raised to admire women and that stuff but on the other side is women who kind of broke your trust in some way it's interesting because i think we spoke about this it kind of brought me to questioning like misogyny and how we approach misogyny in society you know when we talk we call you know, men misogynists so, and those things and i've always that question i'm like but if a man was actually hurt by a woman, wouldn't he have a right to be a misogynist or hate women for, you know, stand there? Mm. Not to say that it's right to do yeah. so, but like if someone been, you know, if a woman is hurt by a man, you know, she can say, you know, all men are trash or there's, you understand, I know, I'm really bats an eyelid. So it's like, why are we so quick to call men misogynist, but not quick to question? what they may have gone mm. through to cause them to think that way and stand and I felt like unless we're able to ask those types of questions, then we can't get to a point where men are able to be more open about yeah. their feelings and then stand maybe heal from that so that it wasn't all women, it was some women, you understand? Yeah. I, I read like a, a study, it was called um, She Touched Me and it was about African-American boys and the sheer number of African-American boys who had reported being abused by women in their childhood and how that data had been suppressed mm -hmm. in favour of talking about masculine, um, uh, toxic masculinity and all these things. For me, it was difficult to become a misogynist, to be angry against women and stuff because I had such admiration and respect for the women that I grew up so it's like an internal conflict between yeah. me and his son. 
I couldn't really allow myself. I, I find myself to be in a position where I want to protect women more than anything. Um, but I also am in a position where I question what those women went through that caused them to do the same thing to me. You understand? Mm -hmm. I found out that all the women who abused me were also abused by men wow. when they were younger. How did you find that out? Did they tell you? Some told me, yeah. some other people told me when I spoke about it. Um, difficult because uh, in some ways you, you have your anger, but in other ways, I can say that generational trauma mm. is uh, something that I, I've always been very passionate about understanding intergenerational, like the generation gap between older generation and younger generations, but then also trying to understand generational trauma. Yeah. and how to break it. And if you want to break generational trauma, you have to have those tough conversations and also understand that there's something else going yeah. on that you might not know about. And unfortunately, because they weren't taught better, they did what they were taught. And for someone who's abused, unfortunately, your sense of right and wrong becomes skewed. Yeah. Understand that your everything about who you are is almost rewired mm. in some ways by that experience. Yeah. Uh, in my case, of course, like hypersexuality, mm. extreme tastes sexually, you know, more, put more towards the BDSM side of life, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Like, you realise that it's about trying to reclaim some part of your story, yeah, who you are, you know, yeah. that stuff, you know, your power in some ways of that, you know. Until you accept it, you end up being ashamed of it, trying to push it away and all that, you know, kind of things. And that's the thing, on the point of the abusers being abused, that like my abuser was mm. also abused. And whilst I empathise with that a lot because he did it to me, yeah. it doesn't make it okay that he's done that. It, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't, yeah, and it's so like, it's it's a, a touchy one and it's down because on one side it's like, okay, I get it, but then why would you do the same with me? If you didn't like it, then why would you do it to someone else, you know? And um, I find it much more difficult. For me, I, I have a lot of empathy for people and it's sometimes too empathetic sense. <laughs> um, but underneath that, I have a lot of anger and rage that I need to release and all that mm. stuff is one reason why I started doing that martial arts, my tie, you know, stuff, trying to control that because I've always been afraid of letting that go. Mm, how far it would go if I did let it go. One of the things that really struck me about your story mm. is my story is very common in the mm. sense that hearing person being abused sexually by a man, mm. whereas I think yours is like almost the opposite, right? Mm. Like deaf person, sexually abused by mm. men and women. Mm. And I think a lot of the time that side of things really gets ignored. Ah, it's interesting. Because I think it might be more common than we think. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, I think it might be more common than we think. Except men don't talk about what they've gone through in a childhood to admit that a woman at any point in your life had power over you mm. is almost like handing in your mouth card <laughs> like yep my man kind of thing in some way so 
A man can't heal unless they deal with their demons and things that pass. But there's also a part of society that dictates to men that we can never be overpowered by a woman. So even if it happened to you as a child, you, you can't admit that you understand because it's sin that's taken away from who you are as a man. If a woman could overpower you, then you're never going to be a real man or never be seen as a real man. Kind of. That's kind of something that I battled with for a little while. And it kind of manifested in the kind of relationships that I got into in some ways that I'd be a bit more submissive to my partners in some ways. And, but it's more about not trying to rock the boat too much. You blame yourself. Understand. So you feel like, oh, I must have done something to make her do that kind mm. of thing, understand? And that then becomes your, the behavioural cycle that repeats in a relationship. So it's only like recently that I kind of realised that I needed to change the dynamic for myself or reclaim my masculinity. Sometimes if you're, I believe that if you're abused by a woman, that feminine energy might come out a bit more so because of society's expectations of men we may present that masculine side even more in this time because you like you want to suppress that in order to be so the bravado come through the ego come through and all that stuff have you ever had it when you've told someone about your sexual abuse mm. and they've assumed that it was a man i know you've had oh yeah definitely yeah. Uh, yeah, that's literally, it's almost nine times out of ten the assumption is that it's a man. I don't believe there's any kind of real belief in society that a woman can be capable of inflicting that on a child because mothers, you know, in this time, a woman and mothers, why would we do that to a child kind of thing? But kind of interesting, but having to shake up the paradigm and be like, what, what, it's a woman? Nah, nah, I wouldn't do this down a disbelief that follows that in, in that sense, yeah. My family is very loud. I come mm. from loud households. Part of it is mostly me, yeah. but still. <laughs> and one thing I'm realizing when I talk to you is rather than that loudness being a source of listening, yeah. it's actually a cause to like drown out the noise, drown yeah. out the bad feelings, drown out the yeah. badness. And actually very rarely, like even now I've just moved with my partner to the seaside and it's just the two of us. And I'm yeah. like, <laughs> I really don't like this silence. Where's the chaos? Yeah. But actually it does allow you to sit and think a lot more. As you said, learn who yeah. I am. On that, I wanted to kind of move us to some tips for people listening, right? Yeah. And one thing I think that would be really interesting for you to share, that intuition in body language, when you can really tell if you can trust someone or mm. what would you like other people to kind of learn from your experience of body language? Oh, wow. That's a load of questions. <laughs> um, when it comes to body language, I feel like we're that communication is... Like 85% body language. Mm. When you think about it, 10% verbal, 5% verbal language and all that stuff. But that's not necessarily reflected in our culture in a sense. Um, I mean, the people that I know, I watch them. I watch how they respond to different situations. But we spend so much time talking when we're in each other's presence, we don't have the time to watch. Mm. Understand? Spend more time listening, spend more time watching. Mm. 
the people in your environment get used to noticing their quirks and their tics when they're uncomfortable and that stuff because what then happens is in the silence you know when someone is feeling uncomfortable, you know when someone needs a hug, you know when someone needs support, you know when someone needs distraction, you understand, because you're in that silence with mm. them and so much more is communicated in the silence than there is in, in the hearing world and, or in the sound. Applying it to child sex abuse, I wonder if we then asked people to go out and just observe, just observe mm. what's happening in family environments, mm. how children are being interacted mm. with, they might have picked up on those physical cues that no mm. one else is looking yeah. out for. If you look at someone in the eyes for five minutes and you're sat real close to them, you get so much from them in that moment. You understand? So just yeah. little things that are probably something to do with your partner. Yeah. You see what you pick up from yeah. each other is that you understand like real good. Yeah. That's I think that's like a good place to end it is yeah. encouraging people to really sit back, observe, yeah. look at body language, Definitely. look at these moments and you probably will be really surprised yeah. what you end up seeing. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Oh thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Man. Not at all. Um, I really hope that this conversation inspires you to start some of your own. And I think from learning about Sabian, especially about body language, observing, sitting in silence and watching, you learn so much more about how to be a better listener. You know, a deaf man has taught me to listen better and I'm very grateful for it. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> And um, yeah, we just, <laughs> I just ask that you share this episode with one person and you will be really amazed at the sorts of conversations you might have coming out of this. Remember to observe, look at some children in your life, watch how they're interacting with others. You might pick up on something that we would have wished that someone had picked up for us many years ago. So with that, we'll end. We'll say goodbye. Thank you. If you want more bite-sized content, we also have a webisode version of this episode called The Secrets Out, which focuses on more do's and don'ts for your own conversation. Find us on YouTube or by going to www.secretsworthsharing.com.